Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Open your Bible. I'm not going to preach for too long. Uh, but I'm going to share something that is really, I think it's really just a thought um, for us. And uh, I'm just going to go from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, I'm going to read. Uh, for though we walk in the flesh, as Paul speaking, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Verse 5, casting down arguments or the interpretation for the word there is thoughts. Casting down thoughts and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. These are um, well-known. These are well-known verses and well-known scriptures. Um, but what this does is, is um, Paul is talking um, about the battle. How many know that life's a battle? Sometimes I don't mean that in the negative. You know, I'm not like you know, life's a battle. I hate myself, but I mean like life's a battle. It's a fight sometimes, isn't it? And, and what he's doing is he's talking about the type. He starts by talking about the type of fight, the type of fight we're having. And he says, you don't battle, you don't battle against flesh and blood, even though we're, we're flesh, even though we're, we're natural beings, even though we have a physical body and we have, we have physical circumstances going on around us. What Paul's doing is Paul is talking to the type of fight and he's saying, don't get too caught up in the flesh stuff. Don't get too caught up in what's going on in the natural because the battle that you're actually fighting is not a natural one, but it's a spiritual battle. He's saying there's a, there's a deeper thing going on here. There's a, there's a bigger issue at hand here. You think that you're just trying to build your business in the natural, but what, what, what Paul's saying is there's a, there's a bigger thing going on that's trying to stop you being what God has called you to be in the area of business. And he's saying it's not a natural thing. It, it's a supernatural thing. There's, you're trying to raise your children right and, you, and, you, and you're trying to do marriage right and, and you're trying to live right. And, and, and sometimes it's, it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes marriage can be hard, you know. It, it, it's hard at times. It's easy for Caressa because I'm such a great husband. But, but, but for some, it's, it's hard. For some, it's, it's difficult. And, and sometimes we're, we're trying to do things in the natural and we're trying to work in the natural and, and strive in the natural. And we feel like, do you ever feel like you're, you're doing everything you can in the natural, but it just doesn't seem to, to, to happen? You don't seem to get the, the breakthrough or you don't seem to be able to, to achieve what God has put on your heart to achieve. How many feel like that? How many you know, want to be honest and say sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's a battle, sometimes we face things like that. This is, what, this is what Paul's talking about. He's saying, I know it's hard, I know it's a battle, but, but you've got to understand you're, you're not fighting in, in the flesh. You've got to understand you're fight, you've got to fight in the spirit and it's not weird. The spiritual world is not um, crazy or spooky or, or weird. It's, it's, it's real. The spiritual world, I believe, is more real than, than, than we are in the natural. It's, we've got to understand that. And so what he does is, 
He establishes that, that we're in a fight. And then in verse 5, what he says is he says, okay, now, now that we've established that there's a fight and it's not a natural fight. He says, let me talk to you about how you're going to win this fight. In verse 5, that's what he says. He says, you're going to win it by casting down arguments. You're going to win the fight by casting down thoughts. That's a powerful thing when you think about the fact that this great fight, this great battle, spiritual battle that we're in day in, day out, the battle to, to do marriage, right? The battle to raise your, your children to love the Lord, the battle to, to build the business, to glorify God, the, the, the daily battle. And, and, and Paul says, you're going to fight this fight. How you fight your, this fight is by casting down thoughts. That's a powerful thing when you think about it. You, this, it. It gives you a greater understanding of how powerful our mind really is. And he says, not only casting down thoughts, but before he actually starts talking of thoughts, he speaks of the weapons. He says, your weapons are warfare, they're not carnal, but mining God, for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down thoughts. I like how it says that word strongholds. If you look at what the word strongholds mean, it's talking about in a physical battle and the interpretation for the word stronghold is, is a thought, is a, 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 a stronghold, is, is where an army would hold up. It's a fortress. And I like that. I looked at that and I thought, you know what he's saying? He's, he's saying to us, he's, I've called you, you have weapons to not just pull down. What is a fortress to an army? A fortress is where an army came from and where an army retreats back to. A fortress is where an army gets his rest in. A fortress is where an army can go back and can regroup and get some rest and get some food and come out stronger. And what Paul is saying here in Scripture is you have weapons to not just cast down the thoughts, but to also destroy the stronghold, which means you don't just have weapons to stop the thoughts. You have weapons to destroy the place where the thoughts came from. I got encouraged when I saw that because that's what we have to understand is every single time we face battles in our mind, often that thought pattern came from somewhere. That's why when a psychologist sits with someone and someone begins to talk about pain, they'll often ask them, I want you to go back to where it happened. That's what they're doing because they understand if we're going to deal with this, we can't just cut the weed off at the top. We've got to get to the root and we've got to uproot these things so it doesn't just come back. And Paul's saying, if you want to walk like that and you want to do that, you've got to understand you've got the weapons to destroy and cast down these arguments. We can get, I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a processor, I'm a thinker. I can get caught on a train of thought. Have you ever done that before? You get caught on a road of thinking. You start thinking one thing and then that leads to something else and then that leads to something else and then you're all of a sudden thinking all of this bizarre, crazy stuff and you're asking, how the heck did I get here? You ever been like that? Is, are there any people here, you are really good at directions? Raise your hand if you think you're, you're good at, you know where you're going on the road when you're driving. You don't need Siri, you don't need GPS, you're all like, I've got GPS up here. I know where I'm going. Any people like that? I need all of you to leave that just raise your hand. <laughs> I, hate, I hate it when people know. I'm, I'm the opposite. 
It drives my wife insane. She's like, you've been here two and a half years and you're still asking where to go. That's because there's 407,000 freeways in about a two block radius right here. You ever got in a car and you're driving down the highway and you miss that turn? You know what I'm talking about? I swear Siri has it in for me sometimes. I swear like she, Siri on my phone that gives me the directions. You know what I mean? She tells me about the turn. Like I'm 10 feet from the corner in the far left HOV lane. She's like, make a right turn here. I'm like, are you serious? And you're like, Vroom. I'm like, yeah, back there. Thanks, Siri. Where were you like an hour ago? And you get, I went to, I tried to go to Lowe's the other day because I had to get some stuff and, and uh, I, I got in the car. I, I don't know. I actually don't know what I was doing. I was, I got on the phone. I'm one of those people that have one of those minds that when I'm on the phone, I have a complete inability to know anything else that's going on around me. And what's worse is I'm on the phone driving, hands-free of course, because I'm a law-abiding immigrant. <laughs> some of you will get that later. I'm driving on the phone and, and I'm driving on the phone. I'm, I'm, I'm driving. I'm talking on the phone, driving in my car and I'm so distracted by the phone. Do you know what I mean? You just keep driving. You should pull over and focus on the phone call and, and, and recognise that you don't know where you're going. But I just keep driving talking away and then all of a sudden as I'm driving the phone call finishes and I put the phone down and I look around like where am I like what how did I I text Chris I'm like took a wrong turn I'm gonna be a while I think I ended up at Lowe's in Big Bear because I got, I honestly don't know, I don't know how I got to the mountains so fast. But all I know is I was driving down the highway, looking around, like there is mountains around me. Oh, I swear I'm about to see snow in the middle of summer. You know you've taken a wrong turn when I'm about to arrive at the ski fields. And you're like, and you're asking yourself that question, how did I get here? What happened was I got on a wrong road and I took a wrong turn and I missed the exit and now I've headed in a direction I don't want to go in, but I'm just caught on the wrong road and I'm left asking myself this question, how did I, how did I get here? It's almost like how our mind can work sometimes. You get, you get caught on a wrong road. God has a destination for your life. There's a destination of purpose. There's a, there's a destination of destiny, of, of, of faith, of, of favour, of blessing, of destiny that God has called you, your marriage, your family, your business to go in. But you will miss that destination if you get on the wrong road of thinking. You get caught on a road and you start heading down a road and now your mind is somewhere else and you miss what God has called you to do. It can be a strategy. It's a strategy of the enemy to get in our mind and get in our thinking. The Bible talks about the enemy in Genesis when he's talking about the snake and he said the snake came and it says that the snake was more subtle. Another interpretation says more crafty. And look at what the snake does is the snake goes up to Eve and what the snake does is the snake, 
the enemy is so, so subtle in how he attacks us. The snake comes up to Eve and the snake asks Eve a question. If you know the story, the snake comes up and says, did God, did God really say like you shouldn't be eating from the tree? What is he doing? The snake asks Eve a question to invoke a thought. Because the enemy knows all I need to do is just get her on the wrong road of thinking. And if I get her on the wrong road of thinking, she'll miss the exit and she'll head off in that direction. How many times has the enemy come and subtly just thrown, just thrown a thought? just gets in your mind and just gets you on that wrong road of thinking. How many marriages ended in divorce, ended in affairs, but it started with a thought? Just a thought. How many businesses failed? How many, how many families have been torn apart? How many people have missed their destiny, missed their call, held back from what God has called you to be? Because why? The enemy just threw just a simple little thought. And then you did the rest because that thought led to something else. Because what we do is we grab a hold of a thought. And if we focus on the thought enough, eventually the thought moves from our head to our heart. And the Bible says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, which means out of what is in your heart, your actions will come. Behaviour doesn't just happen. It starts with a thought leads to a heart, then then leads to an action. So how do we eliminate the strategy that the enemy has? How do, we, how do we maintain that right road that God has for us? Is We've got to be mindful of the enemy's strategies and the enemy's plan over our thinking. And we've got to guard ourselves from what I like to call the wrong roads of thinking. The wrong roads of thinking. And that's what I want to do. I want to give you a few. We won't be able to do all of them. I'll, I'll do them later today. But I want to give you a few wrong roads of thinking that I believe all of us so easily can get caught on. The first wrong road of thinking, I think, is the, the, the road of fear and anxiety that we can get caught on when it comes to our destiny and when it comes to our purpose. There are 530 documented phobias 530, and some of them are actually quite bizarre. Do you know that cacophobia is a fear of ugly people? <laughs> How many of you are like, I suffer from it? <laughs> Everyone else is laughing. You're like, this is my life. Pray for me. All those single men here are like, that's me. I can only be around hot chicks. I can't help it. <laughs> Chorophobia is a fear of dancing. Exactly. Clearly, some of you suffer for that. Some of you are like real quiet. Pelidophobia is a fear of bald people. Don't look around. Don't look around. <laughs> Shortophobia <laughs> speaks for itself. <laughs> it's a fear of short people. My gosh, how bizarre. 530 phobias 
People have just created. Basically, what society is saying is whatever it is that you think is a fear, tell us and we'll create a phobia around it. And I thought, isn't that how we operate so often? The enemy will come in and say different little things in our life and speak fears into our heart. And we create an identity around it. And it's a strategy of the enemy to keep you where you are and stop you from moving forward. Fear will stop you. Fear is the opposite to faith. Fear will hold you back. Faith will move you forward. Fear will cripple you. What fear does is fear... It disconnects you from the heart of God. It creates a disconnect. It creates almost like a dislocation that takes place between you and God because God doesn't do things through fear. He does things through faith. Faith is a currency of heaven. It's not fear. Fear will hold you back from what God has called you to do in that business. Fear will stop you from stepping out and being what God has called you to be. A fear of man, I believe, is one of the most crippling things to somebody's life and their destiny in God. Fear. In Matthew 14, verse 27, it says it's, 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 a, it's a verse. And let me tell you the story. It's the story when the disciples are on the boat and the storm is happening and, and the storm is around them. And the Bible says that the disciples look out and Jesus is walking on the water. And the story says that they see Jesus and it says they freak out. They see Jesus and Jesus' response, look at this, what He says is He says three things. He says, be of good cheer. He says, it is I. And He says, don't be afraid. Be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. Jesus says three simple things in a very specific order. What he does is the first thing he does is he shifts, he's trying to shift their focus from their fear to a place of not fear, but a place of courage. He says, be of good cheer. The interpretation for that is to have courage. Fear is an issue of focus. What fear is doing is fear is focusing on our problem. Fear is focusing on the, the, on the difficulties surrounding the problem, the difficulties surrounding the scenario. But what God is doing in, 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 in Jesus in this, in this circumstance is He's shifting their focus and He says, be of good cheer. He says, have courage. And then He says, it's me. Don't be afraid. We're told to have courage. It takes faith to have courage in the face of fear. We talk a lot about having courage. It takes faith to have courage when things are not going well around you. And then he says this, he says, it's me. I'm with you. And that's when he tells them, don't be afraid. He's speaking over them this faith talk. It's a, it's a faith talk and I like that it's a command as well. He doesn't, he doesn't come to them and he's like, hey guys, listen, it's cool. Listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to sit and I want you to breathe. Okay, breathe and listen, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be, he doesn't, Jesus is just a straight shooter. Jesus says, take some courage, have some faith. And then he reminds them that I'm here and I'm with you. Another, another 
example of where Jesus dealt with fear in the Bible, again with the disciples. And again, when they were in a boat, the Bible says that this time Jesus is in the boat. Remember the story and the boat is is against the storm and it's going crazy and it's all happening. And then what happens is that the disciples wake Jesus and they say this to Him. They say, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Master, Master, we are going to drown. The facts were that they were not, they had not drowned, but their fear was not wrapped up in what was going on. Their fear was wrapped up in what they thought would happen. How many times have your fears let you down? How many times have your fears promised you, promised you that something's gonna happen? Doesn't your fear promise you? Listen, if you get this diagnosis, then you're gonna die young. That's what your fear says. How many times has your fear let you down? How many times has your fear said to you, if you step up and do that, then no one will receive you, no one will accept you. But then you stepped up and did it and turns out fear was a liar. People did receive you. People did did take you on. People, you were able to step up in your destiny. How many times has fear lied to you? How many times has your fear told you that something's gonna happen and what you feared didn't end up happening? Because what we do is fear is actually having faith in the devil. And sometimes what happens is we are better at putting faith in the devil than we are faith in God. The devil tells us, listen, this is not gonna happen. Oh, it tells us, listen, this is gonna happen. If you do this, I know it's not happening right now. This is what the devil says. I know it's not happening right now, but it's gonna happen. And we believe what he's saying. That's fear. But faith says the same thing, but points you to the positive. Faith says, even though it's not happening now, it's gonna happen. Will you believe? Will you be someone that is stirred by faith and not by fear? See how powerful it is. You've got to understand even in the midst of fear, your God is still with you. And fear can just be an emotion. What happens is it's not necessarily a spirit. It can just be an emotion. But what happens is if we partner with that emotion and focus on the motion, you open up the door to the spirit. There are fearful things that can happen. People are, you know, my wife hates spiders. I mean, I don't, I hate spiders. I mean, I wouldn't love to like cuddle up to one, but it's not like something that I have a fear of. I think it's irrational. There are rational different fears. But what I'm saying is don't allow that emotion of fear to become your focus because it will end up and open up a door to a spirit of fear that will open up a door to irrational fears that will hold you back in what God has called you to do. God has got you. God is with you. God is in control. The other road is we're going to, I'm going to begin to close because we're going to pray. What we're doing at the end of this service is we're going to be praying for all of our students, um, all of our elementary kids going back to elementary school, children going to, to secondary school. Um, but we're also going to be playing, praying for college students. And, and if you're a teacher, if you're a coach, if you're a professor, principal, whatever it is, we're going to be praying for you as well. Um, but the other one that I just want to talk about real quickly, the first road of wrong thinking is fear and anxiety. The second road of wrong thinking is doubt and unbelief. Doubt and unbelief. It's a road of thinking that we can get on. It's a train of thought that we can jump on without even knowing it sometimes. And if you get caught on that road, you'll find yourself in a destination asking yourself, how did I get here? How did I become someone that was cynical? 
How did I become that person that every time I hear a miracle, I'm the one that thinks, I bet that didn't really happen. How did I become that person that every time there's an opportunity, I seem to always just believe the worst? How did I get here? How did I become that person that it's almost like my mind is just full of the negative? My mind is almost like I'm wired to just, to just see negative all of the time. How did I become that? How did I get here? You got there because you got on the road of doubt and unbelief by partnering with a thought. The moment the enemy brings those thoughts to your mind, the Bible says that you've got to take every thought captive. Captive. You've got to lock that thought up. And it says you've got to command, you've got to command that thought to come in line with the Word of God. Any thinking, any thought that comes your mind that does not line up with the Word of God and the will of God for your life, you've got to take that thing captive. So you know what? I'm not rolling like that. We've got to be people that believe. We've got to be people that don't have doubt and unbelief. We've got to be people that make a decision to say, you know what, I'm just going to believe. I know it's crazy, but I'm just going to believe. I love the story of the spies in Egypt. It's in Numbers. And it's a great story of where Israel sent out 12 spies. And the Bible says that when those spies were given direction from God to go out in Numbers 13 verse 2, it says, send men, this is, this is a, a God speaking, it says, send men to spy out the land of Canaan. Look at this, which I am giving to the children of Israel. That's the instruction that was given to these 12 men. So they, these men pack up and they're like, man, I mean, they're pumped. They don't have any reason for doubt and unbelief because they've just been told by God Himself that I am giving you this land. I'm sending you out to spy out this land to work out how we're going to take it. But I'm giving it to you. It's not a question of whether I'm giving it to you or not. So these men set out on the journey and they're pumped. They're like, man, we're doing this. Let's go check this land out. Twelve dudes. And if you know the story, what happens? They get to the land and there's some giants there. And 10 of them, they see the giants. And what happens? The moment they see the situation, they jumped on the road of doubt and unbelief. And I guarantee you, it just came just with a thought. A real subtle, when they came in, they saw those giants and the enemy probably said, is that dude nine foot tall? And then the dude's standing there, he's, he's there with his buddies and they're spying out the land. And he probably said to his, he said to his buddy, is that, guy, is that guy look like he's nine foot? And his buddy's like, I think it looks like 10. Probably has got to be like 11 foot tall, man. Are you for real? How are we going to do this? And then what happens is a doubt conversation starts. It's funny how a doubting person will somehow find another doubting person. And we gather all the doubting people and we gather around, we talk about how bad it is. 
See, what's happening is it's a strategy of the enemy. We think we're appeasing someone. We think, no, we're just empathising with them. You know what God has called you to do? You don't have time for people that have a heart to just come and just empathise and just agree with how bad it is. You need someone that will get in your life and say, I know he's nine foot, I know he's 10 foot, but you're standing on a promise from God to take promised land. I know it doesn't look, I know it doesn't look like it's all, it's all just going to happen for us. But guess what? We're standing on a promise. I know the business is going through challenges. I know you feel like you're up against it. I know you're in some debt. I know there's some bills to be paid. But what's the promise you're standing on? And make a decision that despite this, you're just going to be a believer and say, you know what? I know the bills are there. I know it doesn't make sense. I know we don't have the staff. I don't, we don't have the properties. But God's given me a promise. So I'm grabbing a hold of that promise and I'm saying, you know what? Call me crazy, but I'm just going to believe. People that are going through things in their marriage. I know it doesn't make sense. I know there's issues. I know there's challenges. But my question to you is simply, do you believe? It was one thing that Jesus asked more than any other time when He went to heal someone. He says, if you would just believe, then I'll move. Could it be that the miracle God wants to work in your marriage, in your family, in your business will be unlocked from heaven the moment you use the key of just being a believer and say, you know what, I'm just gonna believe. Leave, listen, leave all the problems to God. I know it feels irresponsible. As people, we feel like, man, I don't wanna. Leave the problems to God. I love doing that. Who wants to deal with problems? Who wants to deal with issues? If you do, all the best, enjoy them. But I don't want to. Why would I do that when I could just get up and say, God, I give this to You. God, I commit this to You. I commission and command Your hand over this situation and I just keep stepping forward believing. And then when I believe, I believe again. And then I believe again. And every time you make a decision to believe, guess what? You're getting one step closer to the problem and you're leaving your doubt and unbelief behind you. We need people that would say, you know what? You know what? I'm just gonna believe. I'm done with thinking that way. Some of you have got to make a decision. Take the exit. Take the exit off the wrong road. You will be transformed. The Bible says in Romans 12 verse 2, you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Lord, renew our minds in Christ Jesus. I pray all of the time over my mind, over my thinking. I command my thinking to come in line with the Word of God. I put a hedge of protection around my mind. I take every single thought captive. I command my thinking to come in line with the Word of God, to come in line with the will of God. I put the blood of Jesus over my mind. I bind my mind to the mind of Christ. I wanna tell you, God will start doing some things in your life. If you make a decision to say, you know what? I'm getting off the road of wrong thinking and I'm getting on the track of what God has called me to do and the destiny that He has for me. There is greatness in front of you. Man, I don't know. Listen, I don't know how this church is gonna transform Orange County. I don't know. 
I got a big map downstairs and I'm looking at that big map. I don't know how we're going to do it. We've got a small team and I feel like we, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. But guess what? I'm dumb enough and crazy enough. Maybe it's the Australian in me to wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I'm just going to believe it. I'm going to believe this Word. I'm going to believe that He put us here with a plan and purpose. I'm going to believe the destiny that's on this church is greater than what we can do in the natural. I'm going to believe that He said it's not by might, nor is it by power, but it's by my Spirit. I'm just going to be someone that believes. Is there anyone here that says, you know what? To heck with living like this anymore. To heck with this road I'm on. I'm saying, you know what, God, I'm just going to believe. I'm believing for my health. I'm believing for my marriage. I'm believing for my family. I'm believing for my city. A church, let's all stand to our feet right across this building. A church of believers. I believe, I believe God has called you to build a business that will touch the kingdom. I believe God has called you to build a family where every single one of your kids are in church loving God and an example. I believe God has called you. If you don't believe it, I believe it for you. But you've got to make a decision. You know what? I'm getting on, I'm getting on the right road. I'm going to take the exit. We're going to pray right now, right across this room with every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.